Welcome to Main Menu for August 7th, 2010. I'm Jamie Pauls. This week, Daryl Shandro continues his ACB 2010 coverage by interviewing two staff members of Bookshare. Then, Chase Crispin demonstrates how to connect the Refresher Braille 18 from the American Printing House for the Blind with an icon and a Braille Plus. That's all coming up on this edition of Main Menu. Welcome, ACB Radio listeners. I'm talking with Betsy Bowman, General Manager with Bookshare.org, and Allison Hilliker, Collection Development Assistant with Bookshare.org. And we're going to tell you all about uh, all about what Bookshare does and uh, why it's so cool for the blind community to participate in. So, um, Betsy. Um, Go ahead and uh, you know, sort of briefly give us an overview as to what Bookshare is and why the blind community is interested in Bookshare. Okay, well, first I just want to say it is so great to be on ACB Radio and here at the ACB Conference, so we're very excited about that. And uh, what Bookshare is that, that makes it great and something you should all know about is we're an online accessible library. We have over 75,000 books that are all in DAISY digital text, and you can listen to them, you can hear them on a computer, you can read them on a Braille display, you can use large print on your computer to read them or read them in a bunch of other great devices. So we provide, uh, as well, periodicals, over 300 periodicals and magazines. So uh, definitely check us out if you haven't already, because we're, we're definitely here to serve you. Excellent, and um, we're gonna we're gonna get back into into some of the specifics now. Now, now, uh, Allison, you are uh, you are the uh, you are a collection development associate. Kind of tell us a little bit more. Um, you know, since uh, Allison is uh, you know a fellow blind person, and uh, tell us tell us what it is that you do at Bookshare. Right, and again, thank you for you know, interviewing us for ACB Radio, and I'm also excited. This is my first ACB National Convention, so I am having fun and learning a lot. So, well, what, what we do in collection development is we do anything and everything that has to do with adding more books to the library and, ins- and ensuring that those books are quality. So we, we, under the umbrella of collection development, we work on... Um, we do some advocacy with publishers. We have someone who is actually, her name is Robin, specifically hired to talk to publishers and get them to give us some of their files already in in a format that can we that we can convert into Daisy and BRF. We do some work with volunteers. Um, our volunteer community is really, really helpful and beneficial, and we appreciate you guys so much. We help them get books into the collection, and also under the collection development, we do a lot with the quality management of the books. We do proofreading of some books that are scanned in-house, and we do a, we have a librarian who helps us identify areas in the collection that need to be expanded upon. So that's my department. Um, my, as for me, I have been a Bookshare member since 2003, 
And uh, within about a year of becoming a member, I became a volunteer. I scanned and submitted some books that I had scanned for myself to the Bookshare collection. And then I got into proofreading books, scans of other volunteers. And I did that off and on while I was in college. And then when we got the um, award from the Office of Special Education Programs, OSEP, from the Department of Ed, I was actually hired on full-time you know, as an employee of Bookshare. So I've had the good fortune to view Bookshare from several different angles because of the three different roles I've filled. And so I am just really excited to be part of something as, you know, incredible as Bookshare team and then the collection we're growing. Absolutely. And, and we want to we kind of back up and explain that, um, you know, we, we've already talked about Daisy Digital Text, but uh, you know, we talk about a BRF file. That's a Braille-ready file that you can send to your Braille embosser or read on your Braille display. That's correct. BRF. All our files. Um, I was well. Most of our files are available in both Daisy and the BRF Braille-ready format. Um, you can download either one. There's two links um, with every book and. The BRF, then you actually unzip the file. It comes as a zip. You unzip it, and then you can transfer it for it to your devices. Um, either or, you read it on your computer with a Braille display. Transfer it to your PacMate, Braille Sense, um, Braille Note. All the different note takers will use our books. Alternatively, if you have internet access on your Braille note taker, there are ways to download and unpack the books right on the unit. And the the process for that varies according to what what type of technology you're using. But we're really excited that we work with the different companies to make sure that um, their users can access our books. Absolutely. And uh, and uh, tell us a little more. We kind of uh, we kind of talked about the the Bookshare volunteer community. Tell us. Uh, the ways in which uh, volunteers can contribute and um, how all of that works. Yeah, so our, our volunteers really are the backbone of Bookshare. The reason Bookshare is called Bookshare is because it started with a bunch of people who had scanned books for themselves sharing them. So really it is, it is the backbone of what we are. So volunteers, as Allison said, have a key role helping us not only scan books into the collection, but proofread the books in the collection because scanning does introduce some errors. And one of the things that we have worked on so hard at Bookshare is to just continue to improve quality and make sure that everybody's reading experience is as high a quality as possible. So our volunteers really help us with that. Um, we, we have a number of other roles that volunteers are beginning to play. Uh, we are right in Silicon Valley, as some of you know, so we get some volunteers that are engineers that come work with us. Oh, we get, awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. We get volunteers. Uh, we, we had a, a young gentleman yesterday here at the show um, who is a Boy Scout, and he's interested in a potential Eagle Scout project working to pull together some Boy Scouts to work with us, and we've had another Eagle Scout candidate do the same thing out in California. So there's just some really neat stuff that our volunteers can do, and I think if you have any interest at all in Bookshare and you're thinking about different things you might want to do, our, our volunteer coordinators are you know, ready to talk with you and, and try to find a fit for something that you want to do that will also be really helpful to Bookshare. If you are interested in becoming a volunteer, well, we're we're here at the conference all week. If you are here, we're in book number booth booth number 
40. And um, also on our website, there is a link to volunteering. There's also, if you have some specific questions, you can also go to the Contact Us link in, on the site and ask about volunteering that way. So definitely a good way to get involved with helping Bookshare grow. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> um, wow, so we have, we have volunteers, you know, we're, we're, we're scanning books into the system and we're, uh, another volunteer pulls the book out and edits it and does the proofreading. Um, and then another item I forgot to mention about the volunteering, <laughs> which is really exciting, is because if, if you are a non-student, you can actually use volunteering to get credits towards your subscription. So Absolutely. essentially, you can do so much volunteering for Bookshare that you don't pay our subscription fee or our renewal fee. And that's really exciting, I think, that we give that option to our members. I used to do that to get my own membership paid for, and it was, it was great. What is it, like 22 books? Is it, is it 22 books it's a, the that you credit, need to do? The credit is $2.50 right. per, um, so per submitted book that's accepted in the collection or a book that you proofread that gets accepted into right. the collection. So I think it's 20 books yeah, or 20 something books. like that. And if, if that's really, um, one year I did almost that amount. It's not really hard to do that much volunteering. And, and that makes a huge difference in, in the community. Um, tell us... Um, we're gonna we're gonna move on, but tell us um, about the types of books that are in the Bookshare collection, Allison. Well, we have a wide variety of both textbooks and recreational titles. One of the main things we're doing with our um, OSEP funding is getting a wide variety of textbooks for K-12 students and college university graduate students, and so what what we do is we'll take book requests for students so right now we're trying to get a lot of textbooks into the collection but if you're not a student and you just want to read for fun one of the exciting things we do is every month we put in the New York Times bestsellers we put in both fiction and nonfiction and personally for for me as a blind person I have historically not been able to access really current books at the same time my sighted friends and colleagues are reading them. So Bookshare I think offers unprecedented access to the current New York Times type bestsellers. So I really think that is exciting. In addition to that we have um, there is a browse link on our website which will allow you to browse categories and we have um, we have of course in addition, to, in addition to fiction and nonfiction, we'll have romance and science fiction, fantasy. We have a religion and spirituality category. We have biographies and self-help. We have a lot of mysteries and historical items. So there's definitely a big variety. And I encourage you, um, if you're considering joining Bookshare, to go to the Browse link on our site and see what all we have available. We also have newspapers and periodicals, a few magazines provided through Newsline, and so I think that gives you an idea of just the diversity of the materials in our collection. And, and I'll just add, Allison actually just worked on something really cool, which is uh, adding a special collection to help you find workplace resources, yes. which is great. Absolutely. I actually wow. just added three new special collections, and I'll give a real brief overview of each one. One is, if you go to the link on our site titled Special Collections, actually I think you go to Browse then to Special Collections, there's one Career Resources which has a little of everything from career assessment, resume writing, interview skills. Then I 
a second special collection I created is actually called Student Resources. And it's, um, there's subcategories specific to high school and middle school students, one for graduate students, one for uh, tips for getting into college, and another one for you know, financial assistance and funding for college. So, and then our third category, that our special collection rather, that I created is called Beat the Recession. Ah. <laughs> and essentially, it's kind of a fun co but useful collection for saving time and money. So I encourage awesome. you to. It, it has some different financial planning books. It's got some. I better go right over there and check that. Yeah, one out. just a lot, just a lot of different. Uh, there again, subcategories for the different ways, you know, to really help help oneself in this economy. And I really recommend that folks check out those special collections. I'm really excited about them. You're uh, you're hitting the, the you're hitting the targets, you know, especially the uh, workplace and the uh, student resources. Absolutely, that's um, so. Um, what what differentiates Bookshare from other sources? You know, we have uh, we have Audible.com. We have um, NLS Bard, where you can download audio books that way, and uh, maybe we have. Some other resources, but those are the biggies, right? And we have RFB and D, of course. What differentiates Bookshare? If somebody has all these other resources, why? What, what is special about adding Bookshare to the toolbox? Well, I'll start, and I'll let Allison uh, jump in as okay. as a member as well. But I, you know, I think I think that all the services you mentioned are fabulous, and I think anything that helps somebody get a book that they want to read or need to read is critical. So, um, you know, I fully support all of those services mentioned and, and, and others around the world as well. I think with Bookshare, one of the big differences is because, as Allison talked about, we are bringing in books in so many different ways, including some of these publisher books, we're adding uh, literally for the last probably year and a half we've added between 1,500 and 2,000 books every month to our collection. It's amazing. In, in the last 30 days because of some of the publishers that we're working with um, we have added over 3,000 books to our collection just in the last 30 days so in the, the timeliness of getting the books in as Allison was talking about with the best sellers uh, we are working with some of the biggest as well as some of the cool small publishers out there we have 60 active publisher partners giving us books. So Incredible. I think that's really kind of the, the key thing is we can get things in there very fast. Um, we, we talked about student requests. We can fulfill those uh, sometimes as fast as 48 hours. Um, you know, not always. Sometimes it's hard to get those books. But uh, we're, we're pretty fast on getting stuff in, and we're working to always try to grow it. I, I think the other piece is we give you so many different ways to read the books. So, you know, you, you both talked about some of these different ways to do that. So if you're a Braille reader, you can read our books in Braille on your Braille display, and I think that's really important, as well as listen to them if you want to listen to them. So I'll just put in a plug that the other couple ways to read our books, which I think, again, kind of creates some additional value, is we also give away two free packages that you can read our books in. One is Victor Reader Soft, um, on, which you can use on a PC. Uh, we also give away the Don Johnston Read Out Loud Bookshare Edition uh, for for people who want to read on the PC or the Mac. Um, and oh. uh, we're about to come out with a, a new one on our end that's a, a Firefox plugin so that you can read the books right from within the Firefox web browser on any platform. So, you know, there oh, are a few things there. And, and 
two uh, free, high-quality voices for our members as well. So I, I think you know there are some things that we're trying to do to continue to make it so that you read the books that you want in the time that you want to read them and in the way that you want to read them. So. Allison, anything to add to all of that? <laughs> I think you did a wonderful job covering it. I was just going to add that we, because we have a DAISY and BRF formats, we're not actually recorded human audio. I know a lot of folks um, are used to that for books, but that we're something a little different. And so it's always something I want our members to realize that when you listen to our books, it's going to be a text-to-speech voice, a synthetic voice. However, if you're concerned about that, our um, Victor Readersoft works with acapella voices and you can download the acapella voices free from our website with the membership and those are some really good sounding um, text-to-speech voices that I recommend if you're hesitant about listening to a book in that way. And of course if you listen on the Mac um, you can use Alex which is yeah. awesome. Well, our books can also be listened to through Kurzweil and Open Book which often have different uh, speech engines that folks enjoy listening to. Kate and, then, and Paul. Yeah. Exactly. So there's a lot there again. It goes back to a lot of different ways to read our books. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, you know, getting, uh, getting kind of uh, sort of digging into the books. Uh, we were talking about a, a lot of uh, student books or professional books. Um, so how about books that are in the sort of the STEM category, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, how do you, how do you represent, uh, if you do, if you scan a book like that or even if you receive a publisher quality file, how do you make sure that those books are um, useful for a member who downloads them? Yeah, well, you know, science and math stuff, as you know, I mean, they're the toughest. Oh, yeah. um, and <laughs> so there's still, we're very active in the DAISY Consortium and working with standards, the NIMA standards for the for U.S. students to, to also work toward getting MathML to be something that people do for math. That That's still something that we don't have in our books. We're doing okay. some work on that right this minute, and I'm hoping we'll, we'll have some breakthrough here shortly to, to make it easier to get MathML, if it's in a book, into Bookshare and, and to be able to use it so that we can help encourage that, that virtuous cycle of, of publishers putting MathML in the books in the first place and then, then also having more tools to be able to read MathML. So we're sort of trying to jump into the middle of that and make that more possible. I think um, one of the other areas to bring up when you talk about science and math is, of course, images, graphics, exactly. charts, all yeah. those good things. Uh -huh. So um, one of the things that I'm very excited about is that uh, we actually, uh, under our broader organization, Benetech, which is what Bookshare is a part of, we have a brand new program uh, called Diagram, which stands for Digital Image and Graphic Resources and, ex and Accessible Materials. And, awesome. and that, that. that is a five-year R&D program. This is, this is another Department of Ed program, but we are partnering with the coolest people in this industry. I think we have so many fabulous people involved in this project. Our partners uh, are George Kirscher and the, officially the U.S. Fund for DAISY, which is a U.S. arm of the DAISY Consortium, and the National Center for Accessible Media, NCAM, out of WGBH in Boston, which is Larry Goldberg's group. Um, those are our two partners, plus we have a whole board of advisors who are just 
the who's who of, of this area. So what we're trying to do is not just for Bookshare, but for the whole field, make it much more possible to have fabulous image descriptions, tactile graphics, all of the things that you need to be able to really use, especially science and math. I'm, I'm an engineer, so to me it's, it's so hypercritical that we get more people access to science and math. So Diagram is one way that, that we'll use at Bookshare that, that will help generate some tools, uh, but we're also on, on a project right now doing work on a bunch of open textbooks, all the California open K-12 textbooks, they're all science and math. So we will have those available, for example, in our collection later this year with full image descriptions, uh, MathML where we can get it and where, where those exist. And uh, we're just really excited that that's a good way to kind of start working on this in general. I, I think finally on the technical end, uh, you should never uh, forget the fact that one of our first publisher partners was O'Reilly. And uh, we got a whole bunch of O'Reilly books in a couple years ago and we are literally working on over 600 more right now that ought to go in the collection over the next couple months. So, um, you know, for anybody who's out there doing work on computers and, and needs their books, uh, so that's a whole other uh, neat area. Right. Wonderful. You addressed something I was just about to ask uh, with the O'Reilly books. I, uh, I saw uh, a post uh, on Twitter from somebody the other day saying, hey, we haven't seen any O'Reilly books since 2008, so you're saying they're coming. Absolutely. Yeah, and they're coming, I think, you know, again, we've gotten more sophisticated, O'Reilly's gotten more sophisticated as far as what makes good digital text. Even when we get publisher books in something called EPUB, which some of you will know and some of you don't need to care about, um, that is, it's great, except that everyone is a little bit different. Um, one thing that's great about Daisy Books is it's a really great standard, but others are a bit looser. So when we get those books, there are always differences. Even in publisher books, there are errors. Um, there are now we don't correct. Somebody asked me this yesterday. We don't we don't go in and change anything in the content. We're not changing words around or anything like that. But if there are header errors, we find those a lot. Um, oh. Other types of markup errors, we, we we end up correcting a lot of those and just things that come in from one publisher to another or, or even in the same publisher sets of books. We're, we've learned a lot over the last few years about where some of those variations lie. So so we're actually doing a fair bit of work on those books, even the ones that come in in the best, slickest electronic form from the publisher. Um, I, I think the other really good thing to mention is, again, we're trying to improve the field for everyone, not just put a bunch of books in Bookshare. So we give back uh, information to publishers about where files have had errors. Uh, some publishers even ask us to give back Daisy versions of their files. So you know, we're, we're trying to make sure that the fastest, best, cheapest way to get toward great accessible books in the future is, is going to be out there. So, And collection development, we make it a definite priority to make to make sure that the publisher quality books are going to be very useful to our members. We have a digital content specialist named Susie who does, she previews a lot of the publisher books. Initially we thought they're from the publisher, we could just bring them right in and we're finding over time that it takes a little more work than that. She, she will often go skim the books and try to make sure that she corrects some things that may not convert into DAISY or BRF correctly. Also our publisher files sometimes don't come to us with what we call 
metadata. And metadata is the info about the book, such as the synopses, the copyright date and copyright holder, the series information and subtitles for each book. And so a lot of times we have to put that in by hand. We have a lot of ways of automating that process, but it doesn't always work. So that's one of the other reasons that occasionally our publisher books have to come in a little more slowly than we'd like. Tell me um, one concern that I uh, had myself and that I received from, from others uh, out in the community uh, was um, some punctuation issues with technical materials, you know, programming books uh, from O'Reilly or maybe other sources. Um, punctuation is key when you're talking about computer programs, you know, uh, left parentheses and left bracket are very different animals and languages like C and Java and so on and so forth. And people have had some concerns about that. Um, you, can you uh, address those? Uh, concerns? Um. Sure, yeah, I, th I think, you know, there is, uh, as with all books and, and all of this great technology stuff, there is an interplay between the books and the reading tools. So, uh, in some cases, I think if there are errors in the actual books that, that are there that have crept in on the punctuation side, um, one of the things I will say again about quality is every single book on the book info page in Bookshare, if you find a quality error, please report it. There's a link on every one of those pages and we do take those quite seriously. We have staff members who go through every single one and will fix errors. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll even redo the whole book if need be. So I just, if there are errors in the books, uh, for example, some of our older books may have more tendency to some of those. I would okay. say that's, that's part one. Uh, I'd say the other piece is it goes a little bit to how they're read. A lot of the O'Reilly books, for example, that we're working with right now, our QA team is doing a bunch of testing on those and they're looking both visually and in audio and different tools and saying, well, in some cases, we know that the markup is right. We know that the actual punctuation of the code is right because, you know, we can actually do a visual look, but it's not reading correctly on certain tools. Oh, uh, now that's, so, an, that's interesting. So that's, okay. that's one, one place it can creep oh. in. And I say the best tips I've gotten from different people who talk about this, some, some will actually read it if there's a spelling mode on their particular device oh, or sure. software, right. then sometimes that's what's necessary so that you don't skip those altogether because of course, you know, an average book reader wants to skip all that ugly stuff, but right. if you're reading the code, you really need it. So, exactly. so sometimes spelling mode will actually get you the information that you want that doesn't come popping out another way. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, oh. so filing a quality report is that a is that a good uh, forum for addressing these issues when when they come up? Is, is that I actually use it personally because I'm also a member and I, when I'm reading books and I find errors, I will click on that report tool and for different types of errors and also last night at our member party, we had a really fun member party. Oh yeah, we did. <laughs> I was there too. It was, it was wonderful. And, and there was a gentleman there I spoke with and he said, well, I've seen that link but I've never used it because I assume people weren't reading it. I promise you, we read them. Um, my coworker Lindsay and I in collection development, we read every quality report we get and we ask questions to the, to the person who 
who reported the issue. If we have questions, we will get back with you on those. And then we will, as Betsy was saying, we'll either edit that book or recommend it for a rescan and or do some research to find out why it isn't reading correctly for that individual. So I definitely think that since we can't personally read every single book in the collection, sure. it really is important that our members tell us when they're encountering, encountering errors in our books and things that need to be fixed. Right. Okay. I, that's 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 totally um, that's totally logical. So there you go, everybody. You know, if you do have an issue with a book, let let Bookshare know uh, so that it can be fixed. And uh, I suppose, right? If you uh, start to see uh, you're looking for systematic patterns, right? So if you start seeing quality right. reports on certain types of books, you'll well, and certainly if we realize that there's a consistent problem with a certain type of book, we will definitely look into that and say, maybe we need to look at it differently from an engineering perspective. Is there something going wrong in our conversion tool? Okay. And so if we certainly see a lot of the same repeating errors, we will find out what's going on with those and make some larger scale changes. Absolutely. So um, if... Um, if uh all of the listeners out here have uh, been, uh, you know, intrigued and what you know are, are like, hey, how do I, uh, how do I take advantage of all these books? What, seventy-five thousand books in the collection now? And growing. And growing. <laughs> um, how can they join? And um, um, what are the, um, you know, we we have some uh, international memberships because primarily. Bookshare has in the past been about the U.S. and Canada. So kind of tell us, uh, you know, Americans uh, how to join, but then kind of uh, talk about the international uh, aspects as well, because we have listeners from all over the world, even though this is ACB Radio. I love it. So, Allison, do you want to tackle the U.S. and I'll jump in on the rest? All right. All right. It's easy to join for join up Bookshare. Um, Again, if you're here at the convention, we're in booth number 40. We can sign you up right here and right now. And if you're at the conference, we have a special uh, convention discount where we will waive the one-time $25 setup fee for uh -huh. non-students who want to become members. And um, You can't beat that. Definitely. It's really, really exciting. We're glad we're able to offer that. I'll remember, students, of course, K-12 college graduate, graduate students, also Hadley students, all qualify for our free OSIP membership. So that definitely makes it very easy for that group. Non-students, again, we're $50 a year. And go to our website, which is www.bookshare.org. And there's a link on the website. There's two different types of accounts. There is an individual membership and an organizational membership. And most of our listeners today are probably going to want individual memberships, which means you sign up and you get to download the books yourself and search the site and access all our features and software. However, if you are someone who works for a school or a or university, or if you work in a kind of um, agency that serves people with print disabilities, you can sign up for an organizational membership, which enables you to download books for your students or for your clients, and then have them use them through your school account, so, or, or your organizational account, rather. And those links are both linked on our main page, and you go through a registration process where you provide basic info, contact information, then you'll go through our proof of disability process. 
And this trips up a lot of people, but I, I'm going to try to demystify it for you. Great. If I it's can. Actually, it's actually uh, easier than a lot of other uh, uh, you know, organizations that serve us. I, think, I, so. I hope so. I'm, I'm <laughs> encouraged to hear that. We, we try our best to make it fairly um, easy for our potential members. Uh, one of the easiest ways is if you are an NLS, National Library Service uh, patron, or if you are a member of Recording for the Blind, Recordings for the Blind and Dyslexic, RFB&D, you can indicate this during sign-up. And we have partnerships with those two organizations that enable us to verify your disability through those, those groups. We will contact them and they will say, yes, this person is a member, they have a verified print disability, they're good, sign them up. That's probably the easiest way to do that. Certainly. If not, there are forms on our site, our website, that are proof of disability forms you can download and you can take those to a certifying professional to fill out or give us a signature. And there's a lot of different folks who can certify disability. Some of the most common are medical professionals like ophthalmologists, um, different rehabilitation services, your rehab counselor, um, instructors at agencies serving people with disabilities, a special ed teacher or different educator, a dis disabled student service office staff member at the university level. That's just a few of the folks who can certify the disabilities. And you may also, if you have letters, a letter from one of these folks, an existing letter that proves your disability, you can send that to us as well. Those can be mailed or faxed to us, and that info is all on our website and on these forms. And you do accept you, you do accept uh, faxes, right? So it's not yes. it's not something that has to necessarily be uh, you know, mailed in. Right. Or, Absolutely, uh, we take faxes. Yes. And so you do um, you do work with people. I take it right to make sure this process is definitely. Accessible. If you are confused about the member pro membership process, sign up and proof of disability anyway, you go to the contact us link on the website okay. and we will get back to you and we'll help you through that. We have a great membership team who is really good at walking our potential members through the steps of be being able to prove their disability and download all our materials. So if somebody is, um, you know, what, what are the time, what are the typical kind of average time frames for disability verification, you know, first if somebody is NLS or RHPD or, you know, if, if not, you know, if a little bit more work is required, what, what tends to be the turnaround on those things? Uh, the turnaround. So the turnaround on our end is is pretty fast. Uh, you know, as as Allison said, sometimes people are struggling with, you know, who can actually certify me with with right. with NLS and RFB and D. The turnaround is usually within a few days, a week max. Um, you know, we go back and forth with RFB and D, for example, and and if. The, it's a reciprocal process, okay. so so we we have a regular process where we swap those those names awesome. of, of people who request that. Um, you know, with other certifying professionals, you know, we do look at it and make sure that it it passes muster and that everything's filled out correctly because okay. you know we take our responsibility really seriously around that. But but as long as we get the proper documentation, it's really fast on our end. Our our team will work with you. I mean, we can get a member signed up you know within a day or two as long as every 
everything's in order. And that was my experience, you know, in 2002. I just had my doctor fax a letter, and you guys, like, the next day said, oh, there you are. Yep. So. Yeah, it's pretty fast. And, <laughs> you know, you asked about international stuff as well, and, and I think that's an area we've also been growing a fair bit in. Um, you know, yes, we're... Can we, can we back up yeah, for just sure, a minute and, sure. and just sort of... Uh, I'm sorry, um, and just sort of uh, explain that um, a disability, uh, explain why a disability verification is, is needed. Sure. You know, just for people who don't know. Yeah, so so Bookshare operates under a part of the copyright law called the Chafee Amendment, and, and basically that says that you are allowed to scan and share books and not have to go get individual publisher permission every time you want to use a book as long as it is for a very specific population of people with print disabilities. So so for us, being able to verify that that's who we're serving is really, really critical because that's how we operate. I mean, we'd be illegal if we didn't, didn't exactly. do it that way. Right. Okay. And then, and then now, now on to the international side, I think that's a good... Yeah. Segue because that's different. Yeah. Um, the, well, some of the concepts are really the same. So anyone in any country today can do exactly the process that Allison mentioned as far as going online and you know downloading our forms and saying you know I want to be a member of Bookshare. So and we have members in about 18 countries. Uh, but we also are doing some additional work with within some some specific areas. So we have now about a thousand members in India. We started Bookshare India about uh, two years ago, and we partner with a, a few of the groups in India, including including the Daisy Forum of India, and. We actually partner with these organizations so that they help with the proof of disability piece because it is a bit different in different countries. We still follow our same rules because of the fact that the books we're providing outside the U.S. don't really fall under the Chafee Amendment, but all these publishers we've signed up have said, as long as you follow those basic guidelines, then you can actually use our books worldwide. So the, the, one of the best bits of news I have for people outside the U.S. is that all these publisher files we've been sort of referring to on and off, most of them uh, are with worldwide rights, meaning that collection is growing really, really rapidly. We now have about 12,500 books available outside the U.S., which is a pretty big number when you look at what's available in a lot of other countries. About 4,000 of those are public domain or creative commons and about 8,000 of those are copyrighted materials that publishers have donated. So, um, And that, again, that's going to continue to grow. I think there'd be no problem for us to hit 20,000 books later this year for international users. So, um, And you know, we're working in Australia, we're working in Kenya, Ghana, South Africa, um, Canada. Of course, you mentioned Canada. Sometimes people right. forget that that is a separate country. So <laughs> <laughs> we do, we, uh, do acknowledge that. Um, Canadians so. are very... Um, uh, I think kind of somewhat rightly the Canadians are very up upset about this because they have a kind of a drought of material available ma accessible material yeah. one, one item I like to point out is that as Bookshare, as, as Bookshare we really want to make our books available worldwide we want our international members to be able to access our full collection where the issues for the international members comes from we are only allowed to work within the copyright laws that exist here in the US. Sure. So it is actually, we want to make them available, but we have to also keep ourselves legal so that we're allowed to continue. Right. So um, if somebody joins as an international member, what are the fees for that? 
So it, it depends a little bit on the country. For for developed countries, basically, we, we stick with the same fees as exist in the U.S. So $25 setup fee, $50 a year if somebody comes and joins. We, again, are working with some organizations in other countries who have, in some cases, said they want to actually subsidize. Uh, if, if they're, for example, a library for people who are blind and visually impaired, some have said, hey, we, we provide stuff for free. We want to subsidize the cost. So it depends on the country, but if you're coming in, uh, you can you can check in with Bookshare. If you have a question, you can certainly, again, go to contact us and, and ask us. But I would say um, in most countries, assume it's the same, the same fees that we have in the U.S. Okay, now there's a bit of controversy there. I'm going to find the controversy. <laughs> I, um, I heard that you're good at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a rumor that you're good at that. <laughs> Bring it on, Daryl. Bring it on. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking at 75,000 books for the U.S. And I'm looking at 15,000 books for international. And if I'm international, I'm paying the same rate as the U.S. There feels like a disconnection. Well, I mean, I guess all I can say about that is, is you know, back in 2000. <laughs> Three, uh, the U.S. was paying that rate for a similar number of books. Um, you know, we're going to keep growing it, and I think um, there's another another thing I should mention. So there's a lot of work going on um, that a number of organizations are involved in, including us um, around the World Intellectual Property Organization (WIPO). There's a whole proposed treaty to allow books to cross international borders for people with print disabilities. We're incredibly active in that movement and pushing very hard for an answer to that. There are a number of proposals and, and the wheels of international um, uh, work do grind yeah. slowly, so we're <laughs> very not... Very slowly. I've been so, monitoring that whole process <laughs> as much as I so, can. So we're not <laughs> waiting for that, yeah. I guess, is the best answer. Like I said, we're going we're gonna to be hitting something in the 20,000 book range over the next several months for international users, which I think is a pretty good value uh, for $50 a year. So I, I'd say, you know, we're going to keep pushing that envelope and working really hard so that all of our 75,000s, you know, hopefully going on toward 100,000 books shortly, uh, are going to be available worldwide. Well, uh, you, you international folks out there who are talking to me and others in the in the blind community, um, make sure you're letting books here know your feelings about that. And Benetech CEO, <laughs> CEO Jim Fruchterman actually has been in um, Geneva, was it right. recent recently yep. for uh, talking about the international treaties for you know the books to be able to cross the borders for people with print disabilities. Absolutely. So Jim is out there actively advocating to get our international members access to all our books. So we definitely want that to happen. So and he is very active in that form. And we all are. We all are when we can. Sure. Absolutely we are. Okay. Wow. Well, I think, um, I think it's been, uh, I think it's been great. I'd like to, uh, you know, ask each of you, um, starting with you, uh, Betsy, um, any last, um, comments or uh, um, things you'd like to say about Bookshare uh, before we sign out. Wow, I think we've covered a lot of great stuff. All I can say is, you know, we are we are technology people. We're continuing to always move forward. We're we're working on a number of projects involving everything from uh, mobile daisy readers to um, 
MP3 conversion on the server to a bunch Wonderful. of other cool things that you'll just stay tuned for. And um, Innovation is always a good thing. Yep, you have to keep moving in this world because that's the best way to get to get to the goal, which is, you know, again, to have all of you get the books that you want in the time you want them and read them the way you want to read them. So um, please, you know, re reach out to us, tell us your thoughts, and, and keep reading. Uh, for those of you who are interested in social media, well, first of all, we have a brand new Bookshare blog. It's linked on our website. Mm -hmm. And also we are on Facebook. Look for Bookshare on Facebook, and that's a good way if you want to talk with some Bookshare staff and other members. And we're on Twitter, which I'm a big fan of Twitter. Yeah. And we're Yay. Bookshare on Twitter. And then also, our volunteers run a Bookshare account called Bookshare Fans, which is all one word. And I recommend following both. I follow both of those on Twitter. And that's a really good way to stay up on Bookshare news and latest happenings. And I also wanted to say, just from my perspective, as someone who is a Bookshare me member, I love Bookshare. I download often, <laughs> very, very often. I am filling yeah. SD cards. I'm filling hard drives. As I'm filling. I. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love going to. There is a. If you go to the browse link on our main page, there's a link for new books, and we're adding between 50 and 100 books, uh, new books every day at this point. So I'm, I encourage you to check our new books page often and see all that we have available in our variety of categories. And it's amazing. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we're, we're glad that our members are enjoying it. I know I definitely am. And I work for Bookshare because I genuinely do love Bookshare and love to read. And I believe in what we're doing. And so I encourage you all, if you're not a member, to sign up. And if you are a member, to renew and keep downloading. Excellent. Well, um Allison and Betsy, thank you so much for your time and for uh, chatting with me and with the uh, ACB Radio listeners here on this uh, Tuesday at the ACB convention. Thank You're you. You're welcome. Thank and, you very much. Uh, this is Daryl Shandra reporting for ACB Radio. Hello, this is Tyler Ironic with another Techie Tidbit Review. This week, I will talk to you about Kringle Crash from Blast Bay Studios. Kringle Crash follows the Christmas theme. However, it is fun to play even when it isn't Christmas. The object of the game is to get more gifts recovered than the elves break. It is fairly easy once you get the hang of it. For more info, visit www blastbay.com that's blastbay.com please email me at tylerpokeman at gmail.com also follow the new twitter page for the techie tidbits at http colon slash slash www.twitter.com slash techie tidbits also be sure to check out the blog for the Techie Tidbits at http colon slash slash techie tidbits tyler dot blogspot dot com. Subscribe to the blog at http colon slash slash feeds dot feedburner dot com slash techie tidbits. Have a great week.
Hello again, ACB Radio Main Menu listeners. This is Chase Crispin again with part two of the Refresher Braille 18 series. In today's segment, I will show you how to get the Refresher Braille 18 working with the icon and the Braille Plus using both USB and Bluetooth. Also note that most of this will also apply to other Braille displays. First, I will show you how to get the Refresher Braille 18 working with the Braille Plus over Bluetooth, as this is the most convenient method. They are both very easy to set up, but going over Bluetooth means you don't have to have any cables, which makes everything easier and more portable. Note that when you pair the Refresher Braille 18 with any device that uses Bluetooth, Bluetooth is automatically on. Unlike other Braille displays, you don't need to turn Bluetooth on. USB will be activated if you plug in the USB cable, but if USB is not plugged in, it is waiting to be paired with the Bluetooth device. So all you need to do is make sure your device that you are connecting the Refresher Braille to, as well as the Refresher Braille 18, are both turned on. The first thing you need to do to start the Braille Display Setup Wizard on the Braille Plus is to hold down the Program 1 key. This is the key to the left of the Applications key. If you're using a docking station, external USB keyboard, or a Bluetooth keyboard, you can press Ctrl-Alt-B to open the Braille Display Wizard. I'll go ahead and hold down Program 1 on my Braille Plus to enter the Braille Display Manager, as it is not connected to any keyboards and it is not in the docking station. As soon as I hear the beep, I'm letting go of it. That was the program starting beep. Braille Display Manager. How is your Braille Display connected? Bluetooth. First thing the Braille Display Manager asks is how our display is connected. Right now we wish to connect via Bluetooth, so we'll choose Bluetooth. Select. Starting Bluetooth. We hear Starting Bluetooth. That noise means something starting, which is the Bluetooth manager. Please make sure that your Braille display is turned on and that it is discoverable. Press OK to begin searching for it. Cancel the quit. Now my Braille display is on, and like I said earlier, it is automatically discoverable, so I'll go ahead and press OK. Searching for Bluetooth devices. It's searching now. That's its progress sound, which you know it is doing something. Now I have turned off other Bluetooth capable computers, so all this is seeing is the refresher braille. And you notice that you heard the completed noise, followed by the name of the display. And also notice that I changed my display name to APH Chase, as it says there, so it shows up in Bluetooth as refresher braille chase. As you heard, the Braille Plus said it was one of one, so we know that we're already on this display, so we'll go ahead and press select. Use up and down to select the type of display you have, and press OK to continue. App Refresher Braille, one of seven. Now we have seven types of displays we can choose. APH Refresher Braille is the first option, which you heard, and it says AF Refresher Braille. As other devices that use Eloquence do, APH is pronounced AF. So this is APH Refresher Braille, we'll press OK on it. Connecting to Refresher Braille case. Bluetooth Manager, enter security code. Now what this is asking for is a security code. I'll put this in real quick and then I'll talk about it. There we go. Now on the Braille display we see empty list. In parentheses, that's what the speech just said. Now, about that security key. If you are familiar with pairing Bluetooth devices, this will be familiar to you. The security key is what allows your two devices to communicate and it also allows a secure Bluetooth connection. 
you put that key in on the Braille Plus. As you heard, I was using the Braille keyboard on the Braille Plus. And as soon as you press OK, it connects. The Refresher Braille 18's default pairing code is 1234. Now, on the display, we see empty list, because that's what the speech said. Now, we can use the Braille keyboard on the Refresher Braille or the Braille keyboard on the Braille Plus to navigate. For example, if I want to go to the Applications menu, I could press M chord. Now, I press that on the Refresher Braille 18. Now, to go through the menu, we can either push down and up on the joystick, like that, or we can use dot four chord and dot six chord. As the Braille Plus uses commands that used to be used on the Braille and Speak and Braille Lite. So you can see that that works very well. Also, if we wanted to turn speech off, we could press Alt, which is the U chord on the Braille Plus, followed by Control S. Now we heard speech off, and speech off is on the display. It says MSG speech off. Now speech is off. So if I open the word processor by pressing 5 for tools and 1 for word processor, you still hear the system sounds, but those can be turned off in the settings menu. Now I can type on the Refresher Braille 18's keyboard. And I have typed on the display. Now this brings up another good point to the display, that it, that it has a quiet keyboard. Now I'll type something on the Braille Plus keyboard just for reference. Now you could hear that was a little louder. So if you have the Refresher Braille 18 and you're in a classroom or you're in a meeting, you may even prefer the Refresher Braille 18's keypad over your Braille Plus, your phone, or your computer's keyboard, as it is a little quieter. Now I can read this file, I'll press L chord to get to the top of the file, and I'll read. This is a test of using the Refresher Braille 18 keyboard for the podcast. And the next line says, this is on the Braille Plus's keyboard. And that is the document. Now I'll the word processor with Z chord. And on the display I see the document untitled, I'll pan right, has not been saved. Or pan right, are you sure you wish, panning right again, to quit? And then in parentheses I see Y or N. Now, here's where the cursor routing buttons are very useful. You can press the cursor routing button under Y or N. Y means yes, you want to exit without saving, and N for no will allow you to go back into the document and save. Now I'll choose yes because I'm sure I want to exit, so I'll press the cursor routing button under the Y. And now you heard the display change, and you'll see workspace, which is the first item in the menu. So you see one workspace, and if we use dot four chord, two music player, etc. Now I'll go ahead and turn both Braille and Bluetooth off by holding program one. Now, three things happened. Braille was turned off on the Braille Plus. Bluetooth was disabled as well during that. You heard speech say Braille off, so as soon as you hold Program 1 or press Control-Alt-B to turn Braille off, your speech returns, and if your system sounds are off, they will return as well. And now, also, I, the APH Chase returned to the Braille display, so we're back in the, in the Refresher Braille 18's main menu. We will now, at this point, go ahead and get the Refresher Braille 18 working with the Braille Plus using USB. 
Now I have the Braille Plus in the docking station, as that has a USB port on the back of it. I have connected the cable to the refresher Braille, and now I'll connect to the docking station USB port. It's now connected, and it should be charging the refresher Braille. Now I'll press Control-Alt-B, as in boy, to open the Braille Display Manager as I have my unit docked. Braille Display Manager. How is your Braille Display connected? What Bluetooth? Now we can choose Bluetooth, which we did before. We can choose USB. USB, which is what we want this time. I'll press Enter. Use up and down to select the type of display you have and press OK to continue. Average Braille Braille 1 of 12. Now this time we have even more displays. The message said press OK to begin. OK translates to enter on the docking station and external keyboards, so I'll press enter. And now we have Braille on the Braille display. Now, you remember that we turned speech off, so speech turned off, but we have Braille on the display. And I am now using the refresher Braille 18 with USB, and we can navigate as normal. I will now press Control-Alt-B to turn Braille off. Braille off, and we hear Braille off. One note about Braille is that when you turn on Braille, it'll automatically try to connect to the last display that was there. So normally when I would have reactivated the Braille Display Manager, I would have heard connecting to Bluetooth Refresher Braille Chase, and it would have tried to connect. However, for the sake of demonstration, I cleared my Braille Display database, which I will not go into here so that I could start from scratch to show you how to pair this display. This concludes this week's segment of the Refresher Braille 18 tutorial. Check back next week on Main Menu to find out how to get the USB driver set up and connect to JAWS for Windows and maybe a couple of other screen readers. That concludes this edition of Main Menu. We trust you've enjoyed the program. On behalf of the entire Main Menu team, I'm Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.